You are listening to episode 195 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark Darrow. We are recording this in Three Stream Studios here in Homewood, Alabama. It is Ash Wednesday. It is Valentine's Day. And I am joined by Mr. Brad Brown and Jonathan Haves on this day of days. How's everyone doing today? Does anyone have any plans tonight? <laughs> Do you mean like val- <laughs> Valentine's plans? We're gonna draw a bunch of uh, hearts on people's heads with ashes. That's what we're. That's what we're doing. Yes. No, no, In the middle all. of the service, I'm gonna profess my undying love to Jordan. I've already planned it. So, really looking forward to that. It's gonna be very romantic. Oh my word! That's awesome. That's what a setting. What a setting. Just the lights down low. We're all thinking about death and our mortality. That's right. You know? And she's going to love it. <laughs> it sounds right up your alley. I don't know about hers. Uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed because uh, neither of you gave me a Valentine's Day card. You know, like the ones that you get in elementary school or it was like a football player or a cartoon. And then there was a piece of candy attached to it. Did, did and you, you give, had to get one for everyone one? in your class. Did you give us one? Jonathan, don't distract from the point that I'm trying to make, which is no card for me. So not feeling very loved. I, D- legit question. Legit question. Do, do you guys, do you and your wives, like, is Valentine's Day a thing? You want to go first, Brad? <laughs> I feel like everybody's yeah. like, I'm about to very carefully answer this question. So yes and no. It is not a thing in the traditional sense of let's do Valentine's Day type stuff. Right. Like flowers, candy, that kind of thing. But I have realized that one does need to give attention to it (laughs) to communicate the value of an individual in my life. So, yes and no. It's an opportunity to say I love you. I think I would say at the Browns house. There you go. How about you, Jay? Absolutely. I got my wife flowers yesterday. Got those delivered to her house. Uh, not to our house, but like to roses, her like office. red roses. Uh, it's a. It was various roses, different colors. Wow. How much okay. did How much did that cost? You? Hallmark's. I'm not, I'm Hallmark's not loving tell you. the Duroe household. <laughs> I did not order them from Hallmark, but uh, I just meant in general. Everybody yes. calls it a Hallmark holiday. A Hallmark holiday. That's right. Are they organic? Do you know? You would have paid extra for that. Um. Yeah, so I got those for her. I'm looking for something right now. That's why I'm slightly distracted. On like my a phone. big? Did you get a big stuffed animal? Um, and then we got the boys, you know, some balloons and candy and like a like a Valentine's Day donut. This makes morning. me think Nothing of that crazy. scene in I, I can't remember which Iron Man <laughs> movie it is where he gets uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character. Uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Dude, it's been so long since I've watched a Marvel movie. Um, but he just gets her this thing that's like, it's a it's a giant stuffed animal. It's like as big, as tall as the house. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's over the top. Um, I guess my answer is kind of like yours, Brad, uh, in that if, if you talk to Holly about Valentine's Day, she'll like roll her eyes at the whole thing. Mm, um, classic. But I we do still kind of acknowledge it. So um, this morning, I when I went, I, I typically leave the house before anybody else in my house is awake. And uh, so I go into the, the bathroom to get ready. And where I keep my keys and all that kind of stuff is sitting uh, a little heart-shaped Reese's cup with a Post-it note. 
that mm. says my forever Valentine. So I got a Valentine's post-it note. That's that's the level of acknowledgement we're going for in the Hafes household. Dropping big and, money. And I will uh, I will return return it in kind. But I think that one of the reasons it's never been as big of a deal for us is we have a, a late January anniversary. So our anniversary is January 24th. So like mm. Valentine's Day always falls really close to that, and we've just kind of done a big thing. So I think that's probably why it's never been as big of a big of a thing for us so yeah there you well go. one thing i wanted to mention i just sent you a valentine's day card uh brad uh <laughs> to your text message there you go brad it's, it's one that goes pretty deep oh, on an inside man. joke a good auburn football inside joke <laughs> so real it. quick there's this account on twitter and it's this guy named Drunk Aubie, okay? And I know that that may be inappropriate. I'm, I'm sorry. He's and a very responsible human being. <laughs> it's a Twitter account called Drunk Aubie, and he's been making these Auburn Valentine's Day cards. <laughs> Some of them are inappropriate, uh, but there's the one that I just <laughs> sent Brad. It's a picture. It's a it's a picture of a game that happened last year, and a weird, really weird thing happened in the game. Auburn lost to Texas A and M, but during the game, Auburn made an interception, and mm-hmm. as the guy was returning the interception, the coach for Texas A and M, for some odd reason, was on the field right in front of him. right in front of him during the return and so the valentine's day card is i won't let anything stand in our way it's classic <laughs> i love it well you thank you for the card john you're welcome happy display. valentine's day yeah it was super bizarre um today is ash wednesday apparently the last time that ash wednesday and valentine's day fell on the same day was february 14th 2018 i didn't know it had been that recent wow the next time these two holidays will fall on the same day is 2029 i, I thought you were going to say like the 1500s or something <laughs> that would have been really i thought so too but i don't remember yeah, it. i was like i don't remember it either i'm actually about to look back <laughs> into my 2018 yeah, this, this is from perplexity here. so you know it's i'm it, trusting in the algorithms and in the that's artificial right. intelligence that they're telling me the right thing uh, yeah, okay. so if you're listening to this and you're interested in coming to the Ash Wednesday service, it may be too late by the time you're listening <laughs> to it, but it is tonight at 6.15 p.m. here in the sanctuary. There's a couple of other things going on at Shades that I wanted to mention real quick. The women's Bible study, there are three opportunities for the women's Bible study this year. Each group will be studying the same Bible study. It is a uh, study from Melissa Spolstra, I believe is how you say her last name. It's a uh, Isaiah Bible study. There's going to be three different times to meet, which is great. So maybe you have a crazy schedule. Hopefully one of these uh, you can make. There's going to be a Friday morning kind of midday Bible study here at Shades that's led by Shea Wall. It's going to be from uh, at 10.30 a.m. So there's that. It starts on February 23rd. There's going to be a Sunday morning opportunity for those who maybe can't do a weekday or a weeknight, but you could try to do Sunday morning. It's going to be here at the church at 8.45, led by Tanisha Garnier. It'll be in that front room uh, in the foyers. You walk into the double doors. And then, of course, the Tuesday night women's Bible study, uh, which has been kind of a mainstay for a few years now. That will be at 6.30 p.m. The Tuesday night one officially starts on, I believe, the 20th or the 27th. It's one of those. You can check the website. It's up there. And then the uh, Sunday morning one, I didn't mention this, starts on February 25th. 
So three opportunities for all the women out there to uh, get your Bible study on. That's so, great. Pretty awesome. Lots of options. Love it. Great stuff. All right. Let's go to uh, Jam's Album of the Week. Jam's Album of the Week. All right. I did a weird one this week, guys. This is not an album, but it is a playlist. It is Ash Wednesday. So I thought it would be appropriate to do a little mm. playlist. I did not make this playlist. This playlist was huh. made by friend of the show. Can I call him a friend? Andy Squires, acquaintance. A friend. <laughs> I think friend of the show. I think that's great. I think we, friend yeah. or fan come to mind. Yeah. Big fan, fan of, of the show. <laughs> sure, why not? We'll claim it. You know how, um, <coughs> have you ever seen, uh, like, like if it's a parody book or movie or what have not, they'll do like the fake endorsements. We should totally do that on like our podcast reviews. Like, you know, five stars says Andy Squires. And now, this is how we get sued. Well, I, in all seriousness, what we should have been doing this whole time with all these guests that we've had over the years is taking 30 seconds and said, hey, can you can we record you saying this is Andy Squires? You're listening oh, to Shades like of the Week. Like a radio thing. And then I could throw it in on the intros, and we've missed a bunch of big ones. So many opportunities. This is Axl Rose, and this you're is, listening to Shades Midweek. <laughs> this is Dr. Where did that come from? I don't, I just, this is Dr. Robert Smith. This is Matchbox 20. Shades Midweek. JM's going realistic so over I, here. I think Brad's we're gonna, like getting weird, random, old band references. We do have some good, I will say, just as a side note, I know we're in the middle of the album. This is Luke Bryant. Segment. <laughs> we have really gone off the rails already today. Uh, we do have some interesting guests coming up, so we need to do this. Like, mm -hmm. we need to do this oh, with our guests coming up. Totally. I don't think that so, would make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. John Mark. John Mark's... Almost letting cat out of the bag. We we have some some guests we're really excited about. Some big yeah. names. Been been reaching out. Been been uh putting our line in the water as it were. Just seeing if we got any bites. And we've got a few surprising ones. So we're excited. Mm -hmm. So Andy Squires made this playlist. <laughs> oh okay. And it's It's on Spotify. Maybe it's on Apple Music. I don't know. It's titled Squires Ash Wednesday. It is a mixture of. A couple of songs by some worship artists, but also just a lot of different types of music on here featuring John Prine, Randy Newman, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. This is Clem Snide with a song called Roger Ebert. Check this one out. Did you know these were Roger Ebert's dying words? Talking about death, Did right? Did you know these? were Roger Ebert's dying words It's all an elaborate hoax It is not on Apple <laughs> It's all an elaborate hoax These were Roger Ebert's dying words It's all an elaborate Looked hoax ever Wow ever young Accepting his moment that I actually don't know if he said this or not. <laughs> I haven't I haven't fact checked this well, song. Kind of removes some of the power, but you know, <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> Clem Snide. Have any of you either heard of Clem Snide before? Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is a great podcast or uh, sorry playlist. If you want to take in Ash Wednesday today. 
Um, I believe Squires also made a, at one point he had made like a Lent playlist as well that was really, really interesting. Um, I highly recommend just kind of checking out some of his playlists that he has on Spotify. He may have taken that Lent one down. I don't see it anymore. Um, but yeah, Andy Squires, Ash Wednesday playlist. Lots and lots of cool songs. Since we're here. already off the rails and fact-checking stuff, Perplexity says, Roger Ebert's wife, which I think you say her name, Chaz, C-H-A-Z, recounted his final words in a letter. She mentioned that the day before he passed away, he wrote her a note saying, this is all an elaborate hoax. When she asked him what he meant, he was referring to the world, describing it as an illusion and talking about a place where the past, present, and future were happening all at once. These words have sparked discussions about spirituality and the nature of reality. Woof. Well, there so there you, you go. go. So we added the power back yeah. to the song for you, I'm, Brad. Man, I'm feeling it. Feeling that power. When you first hear it, I kind of la- like I laughed a couple of times when I first heard the song when it was just because it's just such a deli- oh, sure. It's such a delivery, you know. Uh, anyways, check that song out. Pretty wild. What was that artist's stuff. name again? Clem what? Clem Snide. The track was Roger Ebert. The playlist is Squires, Ash Wednesday. Thank you to the Hoover Boys Choir for that beautiful introduction. Welcome to another edition of Bradford's Book Club. Today, I've got a book with 72 different authors. 72, Jonathan and John Mark. They all collaborated. It's more than the Bible. They all collaborated together. No, that's not true. Uh, a lot of these authors are dead, so that's not possible. Oh, I thought you were saying that's not true, that that's more than the Bible. <laughs> It's like, what? <laughs> what do you know that I don't? This is a book that you might want to pick up or purchase uh, to walk you through the Lenten season and to take you all the way to Easter. The title is Bread and Wine, Readings for Lent and Easter. get to read passages from Augustine, Wendell Berry, Frederick Beekner. Chesterton, sometimes I'm going to do both names, sometimes I'm just going to do the last. Kierkegaard, C.S. Lewis, Henry Nouwen, Blaise Pascal, Tolstoy, uh, Oscar Wilde, Yancey, Philip Yancey. It's funny that they put Philip Yancey's name on there. I mean, nothing against Philip Yancey. It's just like those are some big names and then, you know, Philip Yancey. Um, But, you know, not saying anything negative about Philip Yancey. I think you all get what I'm trying to say. Uh... And many more. I'm just looking through the list now. And these are short readings, so this would be something that would be perfect for a daily devotion. They reflect on uh, different passages of Scripture, different themes of Scripture. And it's really just going to walk you all the way through Lent into Holy Week, Good Friday, and Easter. And so check it out. 
From the world's best love, spiritual writers, an unparalleled gathering of reflections for Lent. Am I allowed to mention uh, the Lenten book I picked up for this year? No. Okay. <laughs> How dare you? Go ahead, Jonathan. Don't I overwhelm people. But I'm not trying to. I didn't know. Uh, you get a cut of the profit, don't you, on oh this book? I didn't know. Did, did you all know that Esau Macaulay has a Lenten book? Yes. I uh, got it last wait, year. Wait, didn't I recommend that? You may have. I don't remember any books you recommend. Bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was harsh. I'm just kidding. Well, I might have been the uh, Tish's Advent book in that series, but uh, I've actually been reading his Linton book as well. Do you? Uh, did you read it, John Mark? I read. I read some of it. I didn't read through the whole the whole book. So, well, I I picked it up on Audible uh, this year, and he narrates it. It's um, great. Awesome. So, so that's what I've. I'll I'll let you know how how it goes. I haven't I haven't taken the dive yet, but I'm excited yep. about that one too. I've actually used bread and wine. Bread and wine, readings for Lent and Easter. Yeah, I actually use uh, a few things that uh, Esau mentioned uh, about Ash Wednesday in my sermon tonight. There you go. I can't remember if I give him credit or not. I, I definitely do. I definitely <laughs> do. You not tell us who you're quoting? No <laughs> I, way. I certainly do. Great recommendations, guys. Before we get to the email corridor, because we have been inundated with emails. Inundated. Inundated with emails. It's been we're, overwhelming. We're going to talk about Super Bowl Sunday. Did you make this jiggle up? No. <laughs> it's Wednesday morning here at Shades Midweek, and we have... Just the other one. Is this the other one? That's a good one. That's the CBS one. We're just getting all the copyright infringements today. Well, it's on Spotify. These aren't official releases, so these oh, okay, are like okay. terrible, kind of terrible cover songs. <laughs> so that so that people can use them. Man, I guess. I, I just want to hear Jim Nance start talking right now. And Tony Romo. Well, that's right. We're talking about Super Bowl Sunday. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions. And not only Kansas City, but congratulations are due to Taylor Swift. <laughs> because things were going really bad for her. And she really needed to pick me up. And her fans really needed to pick me up, so they really needed this win. They badly. needed a Super Bowl win. They needed a Super Bowl win. Things exactly. Just were Never not mind. Going it well. was a tough. Never tough mind. Year. She has spent the entire year selling out stadiums of this nature, breaking countless records with album sales, streaming. Yes, guys. Winning two seconds, Grammys. Two seconds right. into talking about the Super Bowl, we're already talking about Taylor Swift. Can we not get to that yet? So okay, okay. The oh, Chiefs win in dramatic fashion in overtime. Wow! Wow! Just absolutely insane game. The 49ers were ever just oh so close to winning this game, and they could not get it done. Despite the fact at one point they led by double digits. It is a sad day if you were pulling for the 49ers. Here's the thing. Well, we said on the podcast, JM, you and I both said we were rooting for the 49ers, but right. we said the Chiefs were going to win. Right, our expert and, opinions. And I don't know about you, but uh -huh. the whole time I was thinking the Chiefs were going to win. There was oh, yeah. never a moment. I was worried the whole time. There was never a moment that I was like, oh, the 49ers have this. And part of it is because I'm a Falcons fan. 
So in the first half, if you're leading in the Super Bowl against a dynasty, it, it, that doesn't matter right? at all in yeah. any way, shape, or form. No matter how big the lead <laughs> might be or how dominating yeah. of a performance. And so it was just – it was setting up perfectly for a Chiefs comeback. It was setting up perfectly. Well, you do know that the head coach for the 49ers was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons when they lost that. Somebody Super Bowl needs to, to give Patriots. that man a hug. <laughs> that man is in he's in a bad place, I'm sure right now, you know. He either needs That's a hug, tough. he either That's needs tough. a hug or Taylor Swift needs to start dating someone on his team. <laughs> One of those two things. So Patrick Mahomes wins his third Super Bowl in his first 6 years as an NFL player. Wow. Uh, Brady won 7. Uh, obviously, the conversation will eventually start to turn to how many can Mahomes get in his career. Only time will tell, of course. He's still Man. young. He's, he's got a lot of years mm-hmm. left. Um, you know, And will he be able to per, uh, surpass seven? Also, the Whew. question turns into, can they three-peat now? Which I don't know. Has, if, has never been done. Which has never been done. Now, the, mm. the, two, the back-to-back has been done, but it's rare. Uh, so a three-peat. Would be absolutely insane. What are your thoughts, Joe Mark? Can it happen? Well, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs. You know, with the, with the NFL, there's so much roster movement uh, from from year to year, mm-hmm. and what kind of players are they going to be drafting? Who are they losing? Who's retiring? Uh, contracts, salary cap. You know, I don't have time to follow all that stuff. It sounds like Kelsey's coming back for another year. Like he definitely wants to try the three peat. Um, what's crazy is he wasn't even really much of a factor in this game. Now, he had some big catches for first downs. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, he didn't score a touchdown. Uh, But but he is single-handedly responsible for bringing the Taylor Swift magic into the arena. Yeah, it's true. Well, and you could say his presence on the field is a factor. Yes. Right? How did everyone feel when he pushed his coach? How's, how's everyone? Fa- what 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 do you think happened to the Swifties when they saw that? They're like, oh, he's an athlete. <laughs> he, when you started that A, I did not know where sweet. you were going. <laughs> oh, he's an athlete. <laughs> um, he, uh, I, now he's I'm pretty intense. I'm curious. Have they addressed it since? I have not seen anything. Has Andy Reid made a statement? Or I think since they won the Super Bowl, it's all gravy. <laughs> it's all good. Doesn't matter. Water under the bridge. Uh, oh my word! Doesn't matter. I don't know. It was pretty yeah. intense. I, I don't, don't mind a little competition, but you know, <laughs> Andy Reid is—he's like an elder. I mean, he's like what? Probably in his sixties. I mean, it just yeah. seemed like <laughs> he seems like a sweet just old man. Like pretty, a like little el- like elder abuse. A little too much. I thought like you get okay, get in his face. That's fine. That's. That's yeah, sports, but sure. like he kind of bumped into him. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anyone say this was a good thing. Like you know, <laughs> I think out of all the takes, everyone just kind of ignoring it. <laughs> yeah, just, just move along. So apparently, okay. uh, this Super Bowl had seven million more viewers uh, than Dude, last year's. You so ready? 123 you million. Ready? You ready for this? Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs' dramatic overtime victory over the San Francisco 49ers was the most watched television event in history. Now, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's U.S. history. That's not worldwide. Wow. Yeah. Um, because the World Cup definitely yeah. will dominate that. Right. Um, but most watched television in history, according to the average audience, 
estimates from Nielsen released on Tuesday. Yep. Uh, they reached an estimated 123.7 million viewers on CBS's broadcast. So do those numbers even include the Nickelodeon broadcast? I'm not sure how they not. how they do it. Yeah. I think there's a different stat for across all platforms, maybe what it brought in. I Something. did. I did see some clips from the Nickelodeon one. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, it was kind of because it was like SpongeBob, and they were like in Bikini Bottom or whatever the name of the the place is on SpongeBob SquarePants, and every so it time, was. It was like a for kids kind of. It was kind of a for kids thing. I don't think it was that great. Like sometimes, like when the when they would score a touchdown. They would have some computer graphics, some CGI would come up on the field, and they would shoot slime, like Nickelodeon slime, all over the end zone and stuff when they would score. T- it was like that's stuff cool. like that. That's great. Yeah. Man. Yeah, lots of views, man. That's yeah, crazy. Well, hmm. I mean, let's be honest. That's the Taylor Swift effect right there. That, yeah. is, that is totally what set that record. Like, you yeah. take away the Swifties, and I don't think that record's being set. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just being honest, but it is insane. No, I mean, you can't deny. It. I mean, they've it's been, the most they've watched televised event since the moon landing, right? Since the moon landing, Which Taylor all- Swift is rivaling the moon landing. Like she's not just setting records for this world; she's taking away outer space records. What was I loved uh, the. Uh, what what did Kenya have? What was she wearing? The button oh, she like had. Button. What did it say? It was like I'm rooting for Taylor Swift's boyfriend or yeah. something. Oh my word! I mean, that was that made me laugh. Oh man, the spectacle of it all so, is so now, is y- enjoyable. Y- for y'all me. tell me, I didn't tune in until I I saw Reba sing like the last note. Oh yeah, let's talk about some of those. Well, I saw quick. Reba sing the last note of the national anthem, so I get there just in time for the coin toss and all mm-hmm. that. And I felt like I was paying pretty good attention. Yep. Um, had they shown T-Swizzle before that? I don't know. I know that there was a stat. Somebody timed the amount of seconds she was on the broadcast. Be- because because from that point, I didn't feel like I saw her at all. And I, I don't feel like I looked away. But for a really, like, t- to such a significant amount of time that I actually texted both of you. And I was like, yeah. has she been on mm. TV yet? And within 30 seconds, there she was next to Blake Lively. But, you know. But I felt like I, it, it was way less than I was – just the way it had been talked up, I was expecting a lot more so cutaways and such. the total broadcast time for the Super Bowl this year was four hours and 18 minutes. It was the long one of, was the seventh longest NFL game ever, actually, because of that overtime period that happened. Taylor Swift was shown on camera for 55 seconds. 11 times. Uh, this accounted for 0.0035% of the total broadcast time, 55 seconds. Now, if you compare that, they do, do you guys remember when they did the the shots of all the celebrities that were at the game? So, like, Lady Gaga was there. Beyonce and Jay-Z were there. Uh, oddly, with the former Twitter CEO. That was weird. They didn't mention that, but he was in the shot. And I was like, I don't recognize that guy. Uh, Justin Bieber and his wife were there. Um, so they did like a shot where they like showed all the celebrities. Oh yeah, because there like were one time. Well, there were questions if Bieber was going to be at the halftime show. Right, there was he was going to be performing since Usher discovered him. He yeah. was he was in the in the in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Taylor Swift, fifty five seconds of airtime on the Super Bowl. Um, briefly, the performances before uh, the actual game started. Um, Andre Day performed uh what is it lift every voice 
and it was amazing. And then Post Malone just absolutely murdered. That's the one America I saw. The Beautiful. I mean, which is hard to do. Awesome. You know, it was like, a great like country version I know. of it. It was really and good. his voice sounded really nice. It was great. And then uh, Reba McIntyre did the national anthem. I missed that. It was you know, it, it was, was Reba McIntyre. I think I think Ashley was really into it. She she liked Reba McIntyre. She's a big Reba a lot. fan. Yeah. I just want to know I'm how not, she has looked so. the same my entire <laughs> life. Like from the moment, one could speculate from the moment I saw her. Do y'all remember this? She ma- she made a cameo appearance at the end of the Little Rascals movie in the nineties. I don't know if y'all remember that. Wow, I do not. Um, do you remember this movie? I'm talking yeah. about. Yes, yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. So she has a cameo as. Uh, I'm pretty sure Donald Trump has a cameo in that movie too. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think he does. <laughs> Trump was in a few of those like those early nineties kids movies. Yeah, Home Alone um, too. But anyway, beside the point. Like from that moment, she's looked the exact same. Unbelievable. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, Usher halftime show. How'd you guys feel? All right, this is where I have to make my admission. Okay. Um, I didn't make it to halftime, guys. <laughs> <laughs> did you go to Did you go to bed? I did. <laughs> wait a minute. I totally uh, did. The what time would that was have been? on? Wait a minute. The game was on. It started Sunday. at five thirty. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been like. You were guys you guys are saying correct things? Seven thirty. Seven thirty-eight, maybe. Oh, well, I, I started making my way, going through my evening routine to go to bed. I, I was I was in bed probably around eight thirty, eight forty five that night. Did your kids stay up and Something watch it? Like, no, nah, the TV went off after I was oh. the only one in the house interested in watching. Oh. So I watched from the coin toss to like the score. What was the score at halftime? Uh, was Do you it- remember? Was that when they had the double digit lead? Was it thirteen to three or no, something like, like that? I feel like they were only up by. I feel like they were only up by a. Uh, field yeah, goal? I feel like that was it. Maybe it was ten to three. Yeah. Anyway, was, yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. It was I, a low scoring affair early. Yeah, but I was. Yeah. I it was enough that I was like, oh, they maybe Kansas City may be starting to wake up here. Um, like I saw the score before I went to bed, but so <sighs> I, I only saw half the commercials. I didn't see, and I haven't gone back and watched yet. Like I haven't gone back and watched. The commercials I missed. I haven't gone back and watched Usher's halftime show, which I I was never like a massive Usher fan or anything like. That. I I would know the radio hits, but that's that's it. Which I imagine is most of what he did. You know, that's what most people do when they do the halftime yeah. show. All their hits. Yes. So, so I can't weigh in on my thoughts on the halftime show. I'll have to to go back and fair watch enough. It. It's always funny to me to just see the wide variety of responses from people. So I feel like inevitably, if you went to Twitter or something, the first one would be like, man, this halftime show is terrible. I hate this. And then the next one would be like, Usher kills it. He's the goat. And I'm just like, this is the world that we live in, you know? And I feel like it's that way for every halftime show. Some people are like, this is the greatest thing ever. Some people are like, I hate this. I can't stand this performance. And so I feel like it's so subjective. Like, the history that you bring, your preferences in music, what you want to see on a show, all those things factor in. For me, it was okay. I knew a lot of the songs. <laughs> there, were, I saw some people being like, I don't know this song. I don't know any of Usher's songs. And I'm like, wow, I know like most of these songs. <laughs> Jordan's like, how do you know the words to this? Doesn't Usher do the song, yeah? Yes. yes okay. They did that. I was about yeah. to say, who doesn't know yeah? 
I mean, is it Little John or yeah. is it Little John or Little yeah. John? Which one? Right. Uh, they, they came out and joined. Uh, yes. Yeah. And Ludacris. Yeah. Lud- Ludacris came out. That was, that was a, a big good one. Moment. Alicia Keys came out. Ooh, that's a lot of and guests. did a song. Yeah. Yeah. Alicia Keys. That was great. I I, I uh, really like Alicia Keys. 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 I don't. I don't really have any more thoughts that I that I yeah. think are helpful than that. I mean, I'm not the biggest Usher fan. Uh, I don't listen to the music while driving down the road or anything. I recognize a lot of the songs. Ashley was like up dancing in our living room <laughs> during the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, <laughs> she was just loving it. I think a lot of the millennials were were really into the, For sure. the Usher performance. Yeah. Um, but I thought he did a great job. He sounded good. He was in good shape. He can the, still dance, man. He was in great shape. The still band, got it. The band sounded good. I thought having Ludacris come out was awesome. Was it actually... Like the band was great. Well, here's the thing with with the Super Bowl, and I don't know if I've talked about this before, but just a good time to mention this real quick. I thought Uh, it was always pre-recorded. From what I understand, from what I've heard, uh, the band that plays during the Super Bowl, they're they have their instruments. They are there. They are in in the flesh live. Like there was a band there. They're playing, but typically because it's such a huge. Uh, spectacle, and they have only a few minutes to get all this right, set up right. in the middle of a football game, like in the middle <laughs> right. of the biggest game yeah. <laughs> of the year, right? Yeah, it's insane. So it's totally insane. So typically, it's it. Uh, think of it this way: it's like an opportunity for an artist to uh, perform the most expensive music video that you could perform and do it live. Right. That's that's essentially what it is. So the so the band from what I understand has mostly for many years uh, been pre-recorded and it's all tracked out. It's all laid out on a grid. Everything is a track. Um, and then of course you have all the dancers and the performances and costume changes and, and lighting and, and all of those things. Uh, there is a band there. Someone did actually play the song at some point. They probably just pre-recorded it. That's why people got mad at the red Hot chili peppers that year. Uh, because the guitar player, there was nothing plugged in to the guitar. And it was like, yeah, because it's all pre-recorded. Like, right, right. And they were kind of being anti. Yeah. They kind of hated it, I think, the yeah. Shirley Peppers. It's like, well, you know, it's But that's actually my favorite uh, halftime performance ever for me. Is wow. Bru- Peppers? Is, no, it's Bruno Mars. And then the oh. Chili Peppers came on with him. Yeah. But I think, yeah, Bruno Mars from beginning to end, it was phenomenal. My favorite Super Bowl halftime performance of all time would be probably a tie between you two, uh, post nine mm, eleven, that was good. Uh, when they did all the names, that was pretty powerful. Uh, and then, uh, and I think they did where the streets have no name, which was cool. And then, um, but the Prince one is really good. Too, I was about to say, I, I, I think mm. my favorite's got to be Prince. Um, in I, the rain, I, yeah, Literally I know. Uh, rain, well, yeah. that's that's the thing, right? Like it just, it was just magic, right? I and I haven't seen. Um, I mean, I'm obviously I'm not the largest football fan, all of that, but I generally watch the Super Bowl. You keep up with it, yeah. but but I haven't seen every halftime performance. But of the ones I have seen, yeah, the Prince was a pretty magical moment. Yeah, mm. that one's that one was intense. Well, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Oh, real quick, favorite halftime or ha- favorite uh, Super Bowl commercial? Once again, disclaimer: I only saw the commercials during maybe the first. <laughs> I, I am happy to go first if I game. need to. I um, want to go first because I'm afraid we're going to pick the same one. Well, we're probably going to pick the same one. There are a couple that I thought were pretty funny, but y'all go ahead. I want to hear y'all's first. Mine was the Dunkin' Donuts with Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Tom Brady, Jack Harlow, Jennifer Lopez, and Fat Joe. Yeah, That was my favorite as well. 
I, 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 there's not another one I could pick. I, I laughed think. out loud. Me no, too. I did too. That was that was definitely in my list. Out of the ones I saw, that was in my list. Matt Damon like, being uh, so uh, apologetic to J Lo during the commercial uh, was just just killed me. He was just like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> well, and I will say, and Tom Brady on the keys. So good. <laughs> Tom Brady on the keys. So good. And I will say there was one, I, don't, I can't even remember what it was for, but it was some sort of TV subscription where you choose your own channels. And so all these people were sitting in a desert and one person, they were saying different things that they liked and they were like, I like action. I like comedy. I like cartoons. <laughs> and then there was just this one woman that in this very dry voice goes, I like watching hot people throw wine on other hot people. <laughs> And it just, I lost it, man. Just that kind of reality TV drama bachelor kind of thing that was just super funny to me. Uh, little kind of like oddball commercials that I'm like, most people probably found these lame, but that I actually really enjoyed to come to mind. Uh, one was the State Farm commercial that was the uh, reference back to the Twins movie from forever yeah. ago with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That and, was pretty uh, good. Oh, yeah. Um, Danny DeVito. And then I actually really liked the Michael Sarah <laughs> commercial. No, that one was actually really good. The um, CeraVe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the lotion. Because you're watching it going, what the heck is happening right here? And how it's all just this elaborate, like, you know, him pitching it. I, I thought it was Well, you know, cool. they did some guerrilla marketing with that because I was seeing things leading up to the Super Bowl. I didn't know there was a commercial coming, but I was seeing things on social media like Michael Sarah just walking down the street and he had all these tubs of CeraVe and people were like speculating, like what is going on? Why? So, so they were doing some fun, like marketing kind of stuff, just like planting some seeds out there in social media land before the commercial happens. Yeah. Amazing. Just a fun fact here. A 32nd Super Bowl ad this year was $7 million. million. We thought about doing a shades midweek one, but (laughs) We decided against yeah, it. We're cutting back this year. Since that would be like, what, 16 <laughs> years worth of our budget <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Meaning the entire church budget. Why are you guys selling the building? <laughs> <laughs> Did that wouldn't even get it. That wouldn't even get it. Not even close. Uh, oh, insane. Insane. Um, <sighs> it, it does always interest me. We don't have to talk about any of these. Um, but it does always interest me how mixed in. Um, I think when you think Super Bowl commercials, you think about the ones we've mentioned. Like the funny, kind of off the wall kind of thing. But it does always amaze me how there are like these really serious, like heavy kind of ads mixed in as well. And there were definitely a couple of those uh, that I saw in the first half. Um, and then I'm always interested too in what movie trailers are going to drop for it being yeah. like there. Cause typically it's going to be something that hasn't dropped a trailer at all mm-hmm. yet. The only one I remember seeing, I don't know if there were more later on, but, uh, wicked, um, yeah. the, yeah, the Broadway plays they're they're doing a, uh, um, movie version of it. And it took me the first couple of times of seeing the character Glenn to realize it was Ariana Grande. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as Glinda, because <laughs> I've never seen her with blonde hair in my life. Oh uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, that'll be that'll be interesting. Holly and I really enjoyed that musical. It's one of the ones we've seen. Oh uh, yeah, so. yeah. Be- there was the Kung Fu Panda Four trailer, which my really? kids are really excited about. That. Oh, my kids love 
love I haven't seen the trailer yet. That one dropped. There was a trailer for a movie. I don't know if Jordan Peele directed it or if he's just involved with it. It's coming out I think over the summer. I cannot remember the name of it. Then there were I, there were a handful of other ones. I I I'm not uh, recalling what the other ones were, but Kung uh, Fu Kung Fu Panda uh that's Jack Black, right? Yeah. Man, Jack Black killing it in the animation like as yeah. of late. Those Kung mm-hmm. Fu Pandas are awesome. I love that. Well, that was uh, the Super Bowl wrap-up. Real quick, Woo. before we finish this sports break, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that last week, Brad and Jonathan and I were away on the pastoral staff retreat. Uh, Jonathan was there for a few days longer than Brad and I. Brad and I didn't get there till Wednesday. Uh, the one thing that I requested during that time period was that can we please just take two hours out of the schedule and watch the Iron Bowl of basketball as it returned to Neville Arena down in Auburn, Alabama. And I am happy to report that not only did the Auburn Tigers uh, get a huge victory, a quad one win over the Alabama Crimson Tide, but they did it by double digits. And you love to see it. I always wonder if Alabama fans just start fast-forwarding well, when before, we start talking about listen, this. Listen, Jordan Yarbrough, who's probably the only Alabama fan I know that listens consistently. Well, Grant, Grant. Grant does. Um, but, I mean, t- you know, just not listen to this. Um, before before the Alabama fans uh, skip over this too quickly, and we can go back talking about the game, uh, but I have an update in the ongoing saga that has oh. been unfolding oh, man. over the last few months concerning my fandom and the controversy that has ensued since I announced that I think Eileen Auburn and you guys graciously gifted my wife and I t-shirts. Uh, the Crimson Tide has responded. <laughs> and they have responded in No force. surprise. Shocker. Gentlemen, 14, 14 Alabama shirts showed up at my house recently to deck out my entire family of seven in crimson as a response to the events that have unfolded on this podcast and so that's what the empire does <laughs> well, they use their power and their so here's dominance the, here's, to, here's the conundrum here's the conundrum that to i'm toy in. with your heart that's what babylon does jonathan <laughs> so we come with loaves and fishes that's all we bring <laughs> We don't have we don't have the might of the Roman of the Roman Empire with its luxury and its lavishness and its promises well, of let, eternal glory. Well let me tell you the, the the strong promise of eternal glory that's tempting me right now, Brad. Tumor's corner is like a mustard seed. Um. <laughs> Go ahead, Jonathan. I'm sorry. No. no. So well Karis Karis is a lost cause in this fight. So Karis committed herself to the Alabama Crimson Tide when she was Break, an eighth grader because she had, my heart. A, she had a history teacher that she loved who was a big Alabama fan. And and at that time, we didn't really have a declared team in the Haves household. So yeah. there's no saving her, Brad. Yeah. But here's the strongest temptation. One of the shirts that was delivered to the house specifically for me is this long sleeve, like, quarter zip-up thing. And I don't know what this is made out of, but it feels... It feels like it was made out of, like, baby's breath. Like, it's the most comfortable thing I've ever put on. And when I put it on, the first thing my wife said was, that's a good color on you. <laughs> so, so 
I have only worn it in the privacy of my own home. I I still feel like I lean Auburn, but uh, but yeah, man, the 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 tide is making a, a response. They're mm. making a push. How do you respond, Brad? <laughs> you know, Satan. I'm just kidding. Oh, jeez. It just keeps getting more intense. Anyway. No. Uh, anyway, well, we'll so see what we have up our sleeve. <laughs> well, we can get don't, back. Don't we, count hey, us out. Don't count us out to, you know, till the till the final hour, okay? We'll we'll see what happens. Jonathan's going to Jonathan's going to show up. There is a live tiger in my office. <laughs> Guys, what is going on? Yeah, this thing just ramps up. War Eagle, up. brother. <laughs> Just makes there, me think of Tiger King. It's way too easy in this country to get a tiger. I know <laughs> there is there is some nil tampering going on because we signed Jonathan on National Signing Day. That's right. Trying the, to steal the him. early period. He signed his letter of intent, and now there's some tampering <laughs> illegally. I love it. I love it. I'm just well, kidding. back back to the game. Um, I'll I'll let you guys take over because I was there. I watched. I participated. I had fun. It was a fun viewing event. I had more fun watching you two than I did <laughs> watching the game, uh, but I still enjoyed the game. Uh, for those of you who don't know, basketball was uh, my sport of choice growing up. It was is what I played the most, and so it's the game I understand the most. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, I don't have much to say about it other than I'm just glad that Auburn won. The Pulled it out, you know. Got another quad one victory we for our NCAA have to tournament mention resume. That dunk though. Oh, Jalen's dunk, the windmill. Did uh, the coach say it was the loudest he'd ever heard? That Bruce Pearl after the game said that was the loudest that he's ever heard Neville Arena after that dunk because it immediately went to a timeout. I think, or maybe the dunk happened and then Bama got the ball. That's what happened. And then Broom blocked it. And then the timeout happened, and the lights went out and, you know, went to, like, orange and blue LEDs because, you know, our, our lights work at our arena. And um, <laughs> and, uh, and he so said that was the loudest that he had ever heard Neville. So that was, that was pretty cool. I don't have much to say about the game. I, I thought that there were way too many fouls for both teams. I just oh, thought gosh. it oh. turned into a ref yeah. whistle show, dude. Terrible. It was awful. Terrible. Totally ruined the flow of the game. Yeah. So uh, that's all. Let I have the to kids say. play. That's, Let them play. That's what we used to say. All right, we play. should probably move on. Yeah. We should. Okay. Well, it, it it's fun though. We don't always do this, but every now and then we we like to have an episode where we just get to spend an extended amount of time kind of goofing off and all of that. And usually it happens when there has been a backup. <laughs> there has been an inundation. In the old email corridor. So, we wanted to take today to let off some steam, talk about some sports, hang out for a little bit, and then spend the rest of our time taking a trip down to the email corridor. That's right. Let's hop in this Tesla and go down to the email corridor. Tesla? Yeah. Email corridor. We're going electric here at Shades. We're going green. Like those roses he got for Ashley. They're organic. Man. No private flights or no private jets around here. No carbon. Wait, where does the electricity come from? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> we're, we're like we're like that Apple facility in California. Doesn't it run off 100% renewable energy or something? I'm sure. All right. Our I think first all their stores do, too. Or at least that's the claim. <laughs> 
Sorry, John Mark. Yeah, it's okay. Our first email comes from Liz Sturgeon. Liz. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. And a, a fr- and a friend of Taylor Swift. <laughs> Apparently. She came on and talked about Taylor Swift. When was that? Last year? The number one episode. Number one episode. For Shades <laughs> Kind of like the Super Bowl this year, right? Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. The title is Shameless Plug. High Shades Midweek. I'm very behind in my podcast listening, so I'm not sure if Jonathan is still talking about Birmingham events each week. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Brad, that was what I did during your sabbatical. So, Liz, you got to catch up. She's about a year behind. She's like, these announcements really are irrelevant. (laughs) A lot has happened since then. Uh, but I have a suggestion if he is. It's okay that he's not doing it anymore, uh, but here we go. She says, The Exceptional Foundation's 20th Annual Chili Cook-Off is happening Saturday, March 2nd at Brookwood Village. It's a big event, right? Yeah, it's a huge event, right? This will be my second year planning and running everything. Wow. Wow. Didn't know that. All right for Come Liz. Come on, yeah. Liz. Yeah, that's Let's a big go. deal. Planning and running events. And it's set to be our largest one ever with more than 150 different chilies. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's insane. All of a sudden. We got to step up uh, the spectacular. spectacular. You need to put her in charge of it. The chili cook-off. Apparently. Andrew Thompson also collaborated with us on a special T-shirt design for the 20th anniversary that we can't wait to have at the event. We love to see a Shades collaboration. All the details are on the Exceptional Foundation's social media. Thanks, Liz. Well, thank you for letting us know about that awesome event. So if you don't have anything going on on Saturday, March 2nd, head on over to the Exceptional Foundation's 20th Annual Chili Cook-Off at the Brookwood Village. That's a lot of I've chili. never been, but I've heard it's great from yeah, a lot I of people. It's yeah. awesome. And then, of course, Andrew Thompson made the special T-shirt design. We love Andrew here at the show. Elder here at Shades Valley Community Church. Very, very talented. Uh, can't wait to see what that T-shirt looks like. Very cool. Thanks, Liz, for writing in. Thanks, Liz. Uh, I know you'll probably hear this in 2025, so uh, based on how far behind you are. <laughs> but thanks for writing in. We really appreciate it. All right, Brad, you got one over there? I got one. The title is Suggestion for the Highly Anticipated Wives episode. Ooh. And this comes from Josh Daniel, who I'm guessing from his email might be a Red Sox fan, Jonathan. Uh-oh. Why is that? It's in his email. What does Red he say Sox. in his email? Go Red Sox. It's part of his no. email. I don't oh. want to give his email out. Oh, my word. Because of no, all, the, all the hackers that listen in. But Josh, we're going to have to talk. I mean, it could just red like Sox. red socks that are red. That is a possibility, but wouldn't be likely. I Josh, didn't, I didn't realize you meant it was legitimately part of his email address. <laughs> like, I hadn't looked at that. Yeah. Oh, man. Josh, we're going to have to talk. Anyway, Josh go ahead. writes, longtime listener, first-time caller. I highly recommend listening to the podcast Strike Force 5, Episode 5. Jimmy Fallon hosted a newlywed game style spouse trivia with the other late night hosts. It was awesome, and I think recreating something like this with y'all spouses would be great. I'm free to facilitate if needed. (laughs) Also, I think it would be fun to release this on April Fool's Day when things are naturally a little different and goofy. Okay. All right. I have I have two thoughts on this. It could be. I think I think that would work great. 
as an April Fool's Day episode. I concur. And I would be totally game for that. Sure. However, I don't think it can work for the official Wives episode for two reasons. One, the way the Wives episode has been talked about, I think we would experience backlash and like some kind of walkout if we're remotely present or involved in that episode at all. <laughs> and a strike. It's a midweek strike. Right, is, we're not going to listen to midweek. I think that's what we'd get. And then two... Um, I think that if we put it on April Fool's Day, offense would be taken <laughs> as if we were saying somehow this was a joke of an episode, the wives episode, which it is not. It's something we are very serious about and seriously committed to. Wow. We're really thinking through all the angles here. Listen, I am. Valentine's Day may not be something that, that is a big deal in the Haves household, but Shane's you know, midweekend. Well, I was thinking about this. You know what could be fun is if... We did another live episode. We could do a newlywed game, but it didn't just have to be couples. You could also have friends bring a best friend. And so if you weren't in a relationship, then you can do it with a friend. And we have a live recording with everyone involved. I love I love how we brainstorm content for the show on the show, especially when it makes John Mark put his head in his hands. He hates... <laughs> He hated the idea. I'm just thinking I'm of the logistics. Out. That's all. It's I'm putting fine. it out publicly so maybe people will get excited about it and then he'll have to do it because so many people liked it. Well, that's And the, John Mark doesn't like confrontation. That's the way we're going to end so up doing that, do uh, that Ashley Simpson uh, album episode. That's how that's going to happen. Tanisha well, and that's totally that's fine. Right. I'm good with that episode. Peer pressure. The Ashley Simpson win. Uh, it would have been cool to do, a, do an episode like that live on Valentine's Day. Wow. Uh, but that's not going to happen this well, year. Well, we could do 2025. Yeah, it wouldn't happen this year even if we'd thought about it. Right. It's, it's Ash Wednesday. <laughs> I, I, I'm not against the idea. I just I just need some time to prep. Oh. Well, <laughs> speaking of right, Tanisha. 2030. <laughs> speaking of Tanisha, uh, we made a promise uh, weeks ago. I made a promise <laughs> weeks right. ago. Um, Tanisha had written in. If you don't remember, you can go back. I don't remember what episode it was. But she, she sent in an email, and we read the first half of it. Um, but we waited to get to the second half. The second half is where she gave us all of her top things of 2023. Because when we did our, our first episode of this year, which was a review of last year, and we gave some top things, we asked people to write in about it. And Tanisha took us very seriously. And she did her homework. <coughs> and we want to honor that. So... We are going to take time during this email corridor episode to go through the second half of Tanisha's email. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Tanisha's top things of 2023 now that we're halfway through February. <coughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Better late than never. We're going to start out with books. First book, I don't imagine these are in an order, but first book is Soil. The Story of a Black Mother's Garden. And, and she gives very great descriptions here. Yeah. A seminal work that expands how we talk about the natural world and the environment as a National Book Critics Circle criticism finalist, Camille T. Dungy or Dungy? How did you pronounce the coach's name that was that? Dungy. Dungy. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with Dungy. Camille T. Dungy diversifies her garden to reflect her heritage. Related, I foraged some goldenrod seeds from my dad's family property in, man, I'm about to butcher this, 
Nokomis, Alabama. I'm it it looks like a Native American name. Nakamas, Nokomis, Alabama. So she foraged some goldenrod seeds there. Uh, Tanisha did, and was able to start a little patch at our house. Such sweet reminder of my grandparents and summers playing in the red dirt roads. That's beautiful. Mm, awesome. It mm. makes me want to like go back to my grandparents' house, which is not their house anymore because somebody else bought it. But like, just go dig up some stuff <laughs> there, specifically the monkey grass. They had monkey grass growing around all over their trees. Mm. So, I think I'd get in trouble for that. <laughs> Probably. Next book. Come Fly the World, the Jet Age Story of the Women of Pan Am. Mm. I think what she puts in italicized here, I think is like actually like either from the dust jacket or the inside jacket, and then she puts her comments. So this says, uh, required to have a college degree, speak two languages, and possess the political savvy of a foreign service officer. A jet age stewardess serving on iconic Pan Am between 1966 and 1975 also had to be between five foot three and five foot nine, between 105 and 140 pounds. I'm starting to get uncomfortable reading this. And under 26 years of age at the time of hire, Julia Cook's intimate storytelling weaves together the real life stories of a memorable cast of characters. Wow. Wild. Dude, you had to be able to speak two languages. That's crazy, man. That rules out 98% of Americans. Right. <laughs> oh, my word. Tanisha comments. Uh, oh, no. This is the next book. Sorry. Never mind. No comments right there. But that sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. Next book. The Feather Thief. Uh, Beauty, Obsession, and the Natural History Heist of the Century. Uh, by Kirk Wallace Johnson, a captivating true crime story that revolves around the highly unusual theft of 299 rare bird specimens from the Tring Museum in England. T-R-I-N-G. Tring? Why are you laughing at me, Brad? Just say it confidently, Jonathan. We're not helping you at all. It explores the motivations behind the crime and the obsessive world of fly tying. Huh. I do love a good heist movie. I realize this is a book. <laughs> but Man, I love Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> but I may enjoy a heist book. That's I've right. Never, have you ever read a heist book? I've never read a heist book. I'm sure I have. Uh, I, need, I need some, like, jazz playing or something. I don't know. Um, uh, then she has an asterisk. Also, listen to the entire row. I don't want to read any more of this email. <laughs> I want y'all <laughs> to have to read it. Ramona Quimby. There we go. I wow. Listen to the entire Ramona Quimby series with Ezra narrated by Stockard Channing. So good in all caps. 10 out of 10 recommended. Great for car trips. Mm. So there you go. There's Tanisha's books. Who would like to read her music recommendations? I'll read them. <laughs> okay. John Mark with the music. It's much shorter, man. I just look. I just looked at that, and I was like, "And it's the top line on page two. Oh, great! And oh, then great. Brad can read her shows because he's the TV buff. Music. All right, here we go. Aside from playing the part of Ezra's personal DJ, when OK Google isn't available, my listening habits are summed up in the playlist Spotify suggested to me towards the beginning of last year. <laughs> <laughs> Really? This is the name of the 
playlist? Okay, I, I don't think she made this. I think Spotify... I didn't read ahead, so I'm really excited about this. <laughs> well, Spotify has done this for me where they'll create, like, playlists based on, like, algorithms and what you listen to a lot, and then they'll take certain moods and, like, genres, and they'll they'll create playlists for you. Sure, sure. <laughs> the, name, the name of the playlist is Music for Sad Liberal Cowgirls. Hi. <laughs> I don't know if I I don't know if she made that up or if Spotify did. Either way, it's very funny. It's got everyone the uh, the Highway Women, uh, the Civil Wars, Hozier, Johnny Cash, Maggie Rogers, Dawes, Casey Musgraves, Jason Isbell, the Chicks, and more. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, the Highway Women. I think it's the Highway Women. She's put in the High Women, but I think it was the Highway Women. They're uh. It's kind of like this collaboration of uh, female country artists that came together to do like this uh, collaborative project, very similar to the Highway Men, which was a project in the 80s with Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson, Waylon Jennings, and somebody, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Wow. I, had to, I had to pull that out of my head for a second. Yeah, impressive. Remember. Yeah, thank you. Uh, which is awesome, by the way. And, uh, the Highway Women, I, I can't remember all who was involved. I think it was, because um, I'm just not, like, I, I don't know a lot of con- newer country music. Uh, and I don't think it was Casey Musgraves. I think it was like, um, oh, there's this really popular artist. I'm kind of butchering this whole thing right now. But check check it out. That's cool. I, and I'm assuming. Amanda Shires, Brandi Carlisle, Maureen Carl. Morris, Natalie Hemby. Morris, yes. M- Marin Morris was who I was thinking of. Uh Shires is married to Jason, Jason Isbell. Isbell. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming you can search this playlist uh, on Spotify if you wanted to check it I out. I think they so. did a version of The Chain that was really good. Ooh, Listen yeah. To Fleetwood Max, The Chain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet that's fantastic. Yeah, cool. Cool. That was... That was a lot of fun. All right, Brad, you want to read her favorite shows? I don't know. Of the year? You watch a lot of shows, Brad. Are there any Brad. difficult names to pronounce? Oh, wow. He's There's reading over it first. Lots of shows. <laughs> Vic we, and I... We clearly prep for this for these episodes. Vic and I finished The Office, which starred during 2020 March Quarantine. Wow. I love going back through a show like that. A sweet ending. It can be a little sad when you get to the end of it. Are you all yeah. sad, Tanisha? A sweet ending, and now I get all the jokes. Pretzel Day. Oh, like, this is the first time she's watched through yeah. it. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Pretzel Day beats Bears Battlestar Galactica. Classic. Pretzel Day is The awesome. Mindy Project. Have you all seen that? I have not seen it. No. Uh, but Mindy from The Office. Mm-hmm. Mindy uh, Kaling. Kaling. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to her audiobook. Watch the entire show. That's great. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen this. Never have I ever. Have you all seen this? A coming age comedy about the complicated life of modern day first generation Indian American teenager named Debbie, an overachieving high school student who has a short fuse that gets her into difficult situations. N- uh, narrated by John McEnroe. Oh, wow. Didn't see that coming. Uh,. Guatama, an excellent adventure. Egg, there she put. Uh, mixed animation, live action shorts. Have you all seen this? About a depressed no. egg and his chicken friend trying to reunite with their mom. 
It's originally in Japanese, but the English dub is just too funny. Okay. All right, we're getting to one I know. The Bear. Hulu. Woo! What a crazy, stressful, great show. Mm-hmm. My first job in the restaurant industry. Okay, I was a hostess at Macaroni Grill. <laughs> oh, I don't know why that made me laugh. But dang it if this show didn't take me back. Jaws' portrayal of a little guy just trying to heal from family trauma was good, too. And don't get me started on Io's role as Sid. And Yeah, she was great in that role. An amazing, beautiful ride. Stoked for season three, but I hope they have the end in mind and aren't going to drag on season after season. I don't need to see Carmi get his happy ending, but I'd love to be down for an enemies to lovers trope between Sydney and Richie. Ha. Talking about the show. Okay. Now we end with some other highlights, guys. Are we going through these two? Okay. Sure. Finally saw a flock of cedar. I'll go quickly. Uh-huh. Finally saw a flock of cedar wax wings early last year. Registered for an she, attended. She's a birder. Multiple bird walks with Alabama Audubon around town. Observed a swift NATO. Literally thousands of twenty chimney swifts funneling into chimneys at sunset during the month they migrate through here. Successfully grew a variety of flowers. Uh, trivia and trivia nights at Uproot Brewery on Thursday with two friends. They made the top three a few times. Okay, this is longer than I thought it would be. I was told the library is doing a family night animal show with free dinner. So, yay, everybody get a library card. One card, 40 libraries. Do it. Tanisha Garnier. Awesome. Sorry. I I was, <laughs> that was a mistake. Thank you, Tanisha. Yes. For emailing in. Man. Great recommendations. Yes. We are always thrilled to hear from you, Tanisha. Well, we have one more email. We told you we'd been inundated, and we weren't lying. Inundated. One more email. This one comes from Melissa Daniel. We've heard from Josh Daniel, and technically, actually, we got Melissa Daniel's email first. Hers came before Josh. That's right. We saved hers for later because hers is more serious than Josh's was. Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, it doesn't start out serious. It starts out, Hi! I didn't know how else to read that. I feel like that was pretty good. It's high with a lot of eyes. Anyway, the subject line's question about Paul. And Melissa writes, since we're in 1 Corinthians, what do you guys think about Paul, like as a person? I've heard the viewpoint from some professors and some church leaders that he was a stern and humorless guy. I agreed with that when I was younger. I'm super polite and sensitive, so it was easy for me to read him like he's harsh and confrontational. But the older I get, the more I wonder if we're being fair to him. We don't know the full answer. We won't know the full answer in our lifetimes, but I'm curious what y'all think. Uh, was he probably nicer than we give him credit for? Are we misreading his tone? Or maybe he was kind of grouchy, and that's just okay. My guess is that he probably had a pretty intense personality and was not afraid of confrontation, but wasn't necessarily a jerk. Some of the kindest people I know are moved uh, by their compassion to confront injustices, and in those moments, being nice kind of goes out the window. Like, if my kids are running out into the street, that's not the time for gentle parenting. (laughs) I'm going to yell at them. Anyway, I'd love to hear all of your opinions. Thanks, Melissa Daniel. A good question. Yeah, Melissa, thank you so much uh, for writing in. How do we want to do this? Do we want to just go around the table or what? 
I, I was just going to throw it to you, Jonathan, but hey, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, in general, Melissa, like I would, I would agree with uh, your assessment. Uh, I think he probably had a pretty intense personality. Uh, was not afraid of confrontation, but wasn't necessarily a jerk. Um, there are a couple of things that that come to mind uh, for me. One is that Paul, in oh, goodness, is it his second letter to the Corinthians? By the magic of editing, John Mark made it sound like I found that Bible passage immediately. It took me a hot second. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 9, Paul writes, um, I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. In, In other words, he's responding to some critics. Uh, that are there in Corinth who are like, yeah, he sounds all bold and weighty and strong when he writes us, but, you know, when he gets here, like, he he doesn't have that kind of presence. And they they kind of mock him as not having the same kind of presence as other sophists, like we've been talking about as we've gone through 1 Corinthians, other popular teachers in Corinth had. So I get the impression that in his letters, you know, Paul is very to the point, you know, so I don't know how much it's like rudeness or boldness as much as it is he does have very strong convictions about the gospel. I mean, you got to think like the way this man came to faith, like he he does seem to have a uh, a, a strain of his personality that's extreme in its commitments. Mm-hmm. So he was extreme. In There's his, a lot of zeal. Yeah, he was extreme, zealous in his commitments to Judaism. I mean, he's doing everything he can to eliminate the church. And then he's confronted by the resurrected Christ himself, blind for three days, healed. I mean, this guy has a, a massive, he literally had the Damascus Road experience. <laughs> like he's right. where the name comes the from. OG. <laughs> and, and it just turns his entire life around and upside down. And he literally then commits the rest of his life to fulfilling the call of Christ uh, um, that that he placed on his life on the Damascus Road, and so I, I think that's where you know a lot of that intensity comes from, and from the fact that like what you're doing could get you killed. It gets him arrested. It gets him beaten. It gets him, like yeah. There's a lot of seriousness and a lot of weight to that, and so I think in his letters we just we get that weight. We get a lot of it just clear and to the point. Um, I think part of that comes across to us in the sense that. They didn't write in the first century the way that we write now, (laughs) you know? So, like, the way that we would think about letter writing isn't necessarily the way that they thought about letter writing. So what can sometimes come across as maybe, like, more short or curt to us maybe didn't necessarily strike them as short and curt. Yes. But it's clear that people received his letters as being weighty and powerful. But it seems that indication, like to me, that he was kind of mocked for his bodily presence, it would seem to me that at least when present, he wasn't this kind of authoritarian. Um, and he wasn't like super harsh, that there was kindness and compassion and love, which we also see reflected in his letters. I and And I think that we get especially some glimpses into that. So I think that you, you you can't take Paul's personality just from his letters alone. You've got to pair it with what you see told to us through the narrative of Acts. And in the narrative of Acts, we get several more windows into, um, I think, Paul's personality and disposition. So I think of like when he leaves Ephesus and he and the Ephesian elders at their goodbye weep together. 
you know, and just the love that he pours out in that speech to the Ephesian elders as he leaves. Or I think about he uh, and Silas when they're imprisoned in Philippi and the love that they show to everyone in that prison and the ministry that they can t- literally do in prison ministry. Again, the OG, right? <laughs> um, and and the way he returns to uh, places he's been before and established churches in order to encourage the saints. And even when you think about a church like Corinth, which debatably is the place he experiences the most opposition uh, from within the church and experiences the most trouble and problems, um, like the letters are still very much laced with love um, all over the place, whether it's from him professing his love for them at the beginning and the end of letter of the letters, or even if you think about First Corinthians, where we found some really straight and to the point words, smack dab in the well, not in the middle, in the latter half of First Corinthians, chapter thirteen is the quintessential love chapter, where he's calling them to this the way they should love one another, which is the way he wants to love them as well. So I don't know when I think about Paul's personality. Yes, I think of someone who is. Uh, definitely intense and sincere, but I don't think of someone who's stoic, someone who doesn't know how to laugh mm-hmm. or, or someone who doesn't ever show like kindness and compassion. Um, you know, I mean, he speaks so tenderly of his relationship with Timothy as being like a son to him in the ministry. When he's on death row, he's asking Timothy, please come to me before winter. Everybody else has forsaken me. Demas in love with this present world has forsaken me. Like you hear the pain in his voice. And so, I don't know, I, I think that we can sometimes, whether, whether it's a professor or a preacher or whoever, I think that we can sometimes simplify uh, people's character and personalities uh, when we're looking at them through, whether it's through literature or whether it's through something like a film, like a movie or something like that. And I think all of us know, just by looking at ourselves, that human beings are way more complex and multidimensional, Right. Like, if you were to peer into my heart of hearts, I hope that you would see that um, I can be a, a nice and compassionate guy. But do I have moments where I'm a jerk? Yeah. You know, and I think that all of us would say that about ourselves. And so I think that that's likely true for, for Paul as well. So I do get the sense that I would rather hang out with the Apostle Paul than the reformer Martin Luther. <laughs> I, I I do get that sense. I, I don't think Martin Luther, the reformer, and I would have gotten along a lot. Well, it's just interesting to think about hanging out with anyone from a different time period. Right, right. You know, like if you drop uh, a really nice person from Martin Luther's time into this podcast and interview them, how are we going to say their personality is? Or right. you take someone from the early church you know, take Augustine, whoever it may be, and you plot them down and talk with them, like, what will that be like? Because communication is so culturally bound and there's, you know, culture influences humor and influences how you interact with people and levels of formality and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and all those things. And so that was coming to mind. Yeah, you're saying it affects things like humor, like even thinking about the fact that like as a preacher, like 90% 90% of the time, if there is a joke in scripture or sarcasm, like you have to tell people, right. like, this is a joke. Like this was meant to be funny. You know, yes. like, uh, exactly. like I, th- I think about, um, one of my classes that I took for, for Hebrew from Dr. Jenilette, yeah, uh, was Jonah. 
And as we're going through Jonah, he's telling us at different points. He's like, you got to realize that if y'all were like, you know, 12 year old Hebrew boys, you'd be belly laughing at this right now. <laughs> like, you know, yes. um, and, and the same thing with some of the irony and name calling and things like that that are used in like the book of Esther. Um, you yes. know, there's, there's a lot of humor there and, and yeah, it just, it doesn't necessarily translate culturally and, and think about how well we know that across time, just by how different our sense of humor is from our parents. I remember sitting down with my mom to get her to watch a little bit of Nate Bargetsy. I'm like, finally a comedian I can show my mom. And she literally didn't find any of it funny. None of it. You know? And I'm like over here like, this is, this is so great. Um, and yeah, but it's true. It's not that my mom's humorless. I mean, she and my dad both have things that they think are hilarious that I'm like, really? This is what's funny to y'all? And I mean, that's just over a, a, a small couple of generation gap right there, right? Yes. Um, and so, like, if, if things don't translate over that amount of time, you know, I, that's why we have to do the hard work of interpretation, right? Yes. I think it's also important to remember, and I don't think anyone's saying this, but, you know, the Christian claim is not that Paul was perfect. The Christian claim is not that right. Paul was sinless. The Christian claim is not that Paul never erred. We believe that God inspired his writings, and because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that his letters that he wrote, and we have in Scripture, are without error. But that doesn't mean that Paul, as a person, <laughs> uh, was without error, right? And so I do think that's just important to remember as we have this uh, conversation, that Paul doesn't need to be perfect right, right. for the words that he wrote to be the words of God. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so Melissa, there you go. Yeah. There's our there's our best shot at it. We pretty yeah. much at the end of the day, we said a lot of words to say. Yeah, we think you're right. You know, <laughs> we, I we agree with you. exactly. And Doctor Genelette also said, you know, never meet your heroes. And what he meant by that, you know, you find an author or a speaker right, right. or someone, and you, oh my gosh, you know, you get the opportunity to meet them. And I think that's part of what he's getting at is, you, you know, you meet the person faults. you just don't know. Yeah. What are they going to be like? Are they going to be warm and friendly like their writings? Are going to be more reserved and have less words? And I've definitely had both encounters uh, where I met one theologian and man, I still cringe when I think about it because the exchange was so awkward. And then I think of another one that I met that was just so kind. And so once again, there's really a lot, like Melissa already said that we're going on and saying that we just don't know. And that's one of the things I look forward to in heaven. Well, that wraps it up for the email corridor, guys. Dun, yes. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we wow. love it. We love email it when you write corridor. in. We love uh, reading your emails and getting to talk through them. And we hope you've enjoyed uh, an entire episode dedicated to that. We don't do this very often. Um, but keep those emails coming. Uh, we, Like we said, we have some fun things coming up, some fun things planned, some fun interviews um, that we're excited about. And so we hope that you will be back next week. We hope to see you tonight. Even though, is this going to get published today? I'm going to try my best. Okay. Well, if it does, we hope to see you tonight at, at the Ash Wednesday service at 6.15. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Brad, do you want to take us out? Send us your emails, midweek at shadesvalley.org, because this podcast would not happen without you and our generous donors and sponsors. Thanks for listening, everybody.